1: What's up? Welcome to Recovery Revolution Live with me, Brett Morris. He's in his truck, so that's why it's his emoji. And our special guest, Tom Jackson. What's up, Tom?
2: Hey there. Oh, yeah. Hi, Jason. Hi, Brett. How are y'all? Awesome, man. Doing
0: well. I'm going to mute myself for the most part so you guys don't hear the road noise and stuff, but I'll unmute occasionally and chime in.
2: It's Good. giving me the inspiration to want to go on a road trip, you know? <laughs> oh I'm looking to Yeah, I'm to just I'm dude.
0: just I'm just trying to get home from work, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel you, dog. I just got home from work and I was rushing to get my paperwork done. I told Tom when we got on here, I'm like, hold on a second. I gotta do a little just like scan two pages and send them to my boss. <laughs> hey,
2: um, you got it done.
1: Yeah, and now I don't have to worry about nothing after. We just got to worry about talking about recovery and advocacy and all the amazing things that you do, brother.
2: Okay. Well, you too.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> podcasting's cool, but you get to go out and to all these awesome events. See, when I get, like, older, maybe, like, get to retirement age, I'll be able to think about doing that kind of stuff if I build up a good – uh Good retirement for myself.
2: Yeah, and I get jealous when I see some of our other partners in crime going off to you know two things a month that I'm lucky if I and I shouldn't complain. uh, You know if I get to do two or three or four things a year. Um, Yeah. Uh. So, but you know we've got actually you'd uh, you had to ask a little bit ago we've got Faces and Voices of Recovery coming up uh, in June. But even before that, um, some peers, friends, colleagues, and so on in Virginia, uh, as part of uh, uh, our state, uh, our SSA, our state agency, uh, Office of Recovery, did a leadership course. And some of the people who did that, including one of our one of our really significant VRAP people, uh, is doing a thing called Year of the Peer 2023 in Virginia. And their conference, two-day conference in Richmond, is next week. Awesome. Uh, so we are attending. Uh, unfortunately, uh, our proposal to present wasn't accepted, but uh, but uh, Faces and Voices accepted it. So we're going to. Allison and I are going to get to uh, get to do it once. Awesome. Uh, and uh, then today we were talking about uh, a little bit of. Beginning thoughts of programming for Mobilize and uh, and what that might look like, but it's all so preliminary, and I was kind of sort of sworn to secrecy. So uh,
1: I feel you, uh, that but that will happen. <laughs> it
2: will happen, and uh, and it will be fascinating, and it will be interesting, uh, and uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. So
1: nice so for you guys out there watching or nobody's watching right now <laughs> but you know when they do because the, most of our people view it later uh okay. so what he's talking about uh virginia rap that's the virginia recovery advocacy project mm-hmm. and that is a. Uh, you know, group of individuals that, and anybody can join it. You know, and like you, you just brainstorm together, and you find out from the community what the needs are, and then you try to get boots on the ground, or you know, maybe go change legislation or raise funds yep. to make changes in your community. That's what Recovery Advocacy Project is, and then what he's talking about when he says uh, a proposal to present he's talking about being a presenter at a conference so to share some material share some information with the folks at the conference yep. now i have no idea about this <laughs> and i'm curious about it tom how do you go about doing a proposal to present
2: well usually the the places put up uh, a page on on their website uh and they they pretty much walk you through it um uh, you know they ask you a bunch of questions Um, and you really just kind of answer them. Um, you know, they run a page, page and a half long. Um, fortunately the one that Allison Webb and I are doing on peers and allies, uh, for faces and voices, you know, we had the, we proposed it to, uh, to the year, the peer thing in Virginia. So we all, we kind of had it, you know, mostly done by the time the faces and voices, uh, uh, asked for their stuff. Um, Today, with a couple of uh, rap colleagues, we were looking at one for the Drug Policy uh, Alliance Conference in Phoenix in October, and we a couple of us might submit something to that. Um, but um, Allison and I have been kind of kicking around this idea of uh, a peer and an ally, a conversation between a peer and an ally. Um, and I think we call, officially, I think it's called something like uh you know building recovery capital uh a conversation between a peer and an ally i okay. wanted to call it a peer and an ally walk into a bar dot 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 but she wouldn't <laughs> let me
1: you could maybe have one slide that says that to get some laughs in the room yeah
2: now. i think i'm gonna when she introduces me she's gonna say that so well uh, yeah uh, <laughs> i mean because people that. like
1: to laugh still yeah you exactly know? yeah exactly So uh, before we go any further on on the things that you got going on, uh, why don't you just share with the viewers a little bit about yourself, uh, introduce yourself to the audience.
2: Okay, sure. Um, As a matter of fact, I celebrated an anniversary recently that until three days before it, I totally forgot it was happening. Uh, So I introduced myself. Let me do the formal introduction. Uh, Hey, everybody. It's good to see all of you. Uh, My name is Tom Jackson. I use he, him pronouns. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And for me, that means I haven't had the need to use substances since May 13th, 1991. And I also have a couple of co-occurring mental health conditions. And the last time one of those was uh, a serious crisis was in 2009. Um, My day job is as a registered peer specialist at Virginia's Western state psychiatric hospital in the scenic Shenandoah Valley, uh, about, uh, an hour and 45 minutes west of Richmond, uh, right on interstate 81, which, uh, is known as the heroin highway. And for those of you who read Beth, or saw Beth Macy's dope sick, you did a mini or, uh, or the book it is set up and down the heroin highway. Uh mm. But interestingly enough, we'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, sort of when, if we talk about some local stuff later, uh, Virginia is sort of a weird place in terms of where we still have a significant meth problem versus where we have uh, an opioid problem. Um, and then my my night, and, and at the hospital, I work primarily with people with co-occurring serious mental illness uh, and uh, and substance use disorder. I work on a also work on there on a diversion team, trying to get people with primary substance stuff out of the hospital, uh, and into, uh, into residential treatment as quickly as we can, uh, freeing up desperately needed beds among other things. Um, and also just quite frankly, getting people to the right place. As we see more and more meth psychosis, people come to us and the psychosis clears usually in three or four days uh and then somebody's ready to uh go on a treatment and actually we have quite a bit of state funding to do that which is a really which is a really nice nice thing to have Awesome. Uh, my my night job is as a uh as an organizer with the Virginia Recovery Advocacy Project which we call Vrap um and I've been involved with Vrap since 2020 um I miss Mobilize Recovery, which, as you mentioned, is our annual convening. Uh, I missed the 2019 one, but it wasn't very long after that that I got involved with uh, um, uh, the ERAP, So it was 2020 uh, when I started uh, uh, working with the state organizing team, uh, and uh, and I'm kind of you know one of the one of the primary folks right now who. Uh, who tries to, uh, who tries to organize stuff. Um, we've had a, we've had a really productive year. Our, our, we have a two year legislative, uh, uh, session or uh, biennium for the fancy term. And this mm-hmm. year was our short year. We, we do, Virginia has to do things differently. Uh, our elections are on odd numbered years. So, the entire General Assembly, House, and Senate are up for re-election this year. Um, and so this, uh, this past January season was a very short one, uh, 45 days. Uh, but we did remarkably well. Um, pretty much everything we supported, uh, with a couple of exceptions, passed. Uh, a couple of things got left on the table, which is how in its own genteel way, Virginia does things. Um, And then the only thing that really, where we got a fast one pulled on us was, and it was not quite the middle of the night, but I think it was at least, it was after sundown anyway. Um, One of the uh, justice subcommittees passed a bill that was called Weapon of Terrorism interestingly enough well what the bill was about was making fentanyl a weapon of terrorism in virginia but there was nothing in the title of the bill that said fentanyl so when every advocacy uh, organization was going down the list of you know 1200 bills to look at nobody caught it not a single not a single group caught it And so nobody showed up to testify um, because nobody knew about it. It was in the text of the bill, but it wasn't in the title of the bill. Hmm. Fortunately, we have a one uh, state senator from Northern Virginia. uh, Shout out to a guy by the name of Scott who um, got the words give and sell removed from the bill. so if you give something to somebody that contains fentanyl you can't be charged as having possessed a weapon of terrorism uh and they restricted it to distribution and manufacturing which is which is fine you know we didn't have any any great problem with that but um you know it is it is i shouldn't say that actually because you know what we're seeing over and over now is you know what some of us are calling drug war 2.0 um and every chance we get every chance people get now it's like yeah let's make the penalties worse and let's throw more people in jail and that sure worked well the first time around right uh, (laughs) you know yeah let's spend 52 years and a trillion dollars and end up in worse shape uh and then uh let's take about an 18 month slow tapering off of that, maybe two year tapering off of that. And then let's do it again. It works the first time. Let's do it again.
1: Even though it's like scientifically proven that recovery works and there's many modalities
2: that people can choose to use. Totally. I mean, you know, you put 200 people in a room, there's, there's 200 pathways to recovery. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, and it's, it's our job to, uh, you know, to support them. Uh, you know, it's interesting you said that, um, you know, I was thinking about this and I was a friend of mine uh, who I just finished teaching a, another peer certification class. And one of my friends who is uh, uh, chief of the rescue squad uh, nearby and uh, uh, and uh, also works in a, in a treatment center uh, said, you know, in our own recoveries five years ago, 10 years ago, You know there was there were there were 12-star programs and therapy and that was really it and then really in the last five to eight years there's just been this explosion of awareness of more and more pathways to recovery uh for people uh i mean there have been some they there's there's you know smart recovery is 26 or seven years old i think but I only came across it in 2017 and got trained as a facilitator. Then, uh, stumbled across refuge recovery about the same time. Uh, and, uh, and was, you know, also did my, my peers, my peer certification training back Mm. then too. Um, so, I mean, all of those things are things out there for people to take advantage of, um, you know, and I really, struggled uh and to some degree always have um with with pieces of 12-step programs uh, you know i am i am not a believer uh and so uh that makes it you know somewhat difficult uh but um but you know more than anything else uh what i find and I hear over and over is not, you know, not the literature itself, which, uh, uh, you know, and not the not the program itself, but how how people interpret it, and how, uh, in particular, uh, and this is something that that I struggle with with the people I the clients I work with, um, you know, how many people have been told in in 12-step programs that they shouldn't be taking in some cases any medication uh let alone medication for opioid or some other substance use disorder you know i work with most of the clients i work with at the hospital have either schizophrenia bipolar disorder uh schizoaffective disorder you know and these these are by and large not people that should be told to stop taking their meds Right. and, and st- sadly still there's, there's too many, you know, sort of old school people who, uh, um, who, who believe that.
1: I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Cause I see it all the time. And it's, it's a shame because if somebody's taking something and it is helping their issues, then what's the harm in that? If their life is improving and it's giving them the chance to, really focus on recovery and start digging into the work that they have to do to heal, then what, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Um, It's
2: interesting because it's come (coughs) up in, in a bunch of, I do one of the things at the hospital that uh, the peer staff is part of the, the, um, uh, the psychosocial rehab team. Uh, We have a lot of occupational therapists and, and, and uh, recreational therapists and music therapy and stuff like that and the peer and us peer folks are, uh, are part of that. Um, but as part of that, we do 18 to 20 groups a week, 45 minutes each. Um, and I do about, uh, the better part of 12 of them on varying substance related stuff. Um, and the last couple of weeks, all of a sudden, more and more people have been saying, uh, well, you know, if I, if you take suboxone, if you take, methadone if you take naltrexone if you take you know almost anything well you're just trading one addiction for another um and i've you know and sometimes i feel like i get put on the spot with that um because i don't necessarily always have a quick answer but i've been paying attention to it in the last couple of weeks and actually as i think of things i've been i've been scribbling them down um And, you know, and they range between the fact that um, as far as I know, nobody has ever died from taking suboxone. Uh, As far as I know, nobody has ever died taking methadone as administered at a methadone clinic. Um, And um, that's not true of people who uh, use in particular what is now you know, a totally poisoned, uh, drug supply. Uh, right. so, so you are trading, maybe you are trading one addiction for the other BFD. You're not dying. Exactly. You know,
1: I'll um, tell you right now, medical assistant treatment is a legit pathway to recovery. Absolutely. Also harm reduction is another, yeah. and that's what you're talking about, right? Like if, yeah, if it's, you know, um, if you're using a different substance than the one that made you, you know your world burn down, uh, and it's not causing you problems like that, well, then I guess that's an improvement in your life, right? <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, I'm yeah. not saying that's my path, I, no. I know my I know better for myself. If I yeah. touch one thing, then my brain's just gonna be like, this ain't what I want, you know. Oh, I'm <laughs>
2: 48 hours, I'm down the drain, you know. Yeah, um, so. and even for me, even for me, I mean, uh, you know, one of the big dangers for me and actually kind of relates to the the uh, the other addictions thing is, I mean, smoking for me, if I if I pick up a cigarette, that for me would be every bit as dangerous as picking up a drink because one leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. They're all tied together like a, you know, like a string of hot dogs. Um, but <laughs> what I was going to say is, you know, not only trading one addiction for another, uh, but, you know, uh, how many 12 step meetings are there where there aren't a bunch of people out front chain smoking cigarettes and guzzling coffee. Right. (laughs) And those are both psychoactive substances, you know, let's uh, they, they are unlikely to, I mean, I don't know very many people who've been pulled over for, you know, driving while drinking coffee. Uh, (laughs) uh, Although uh, uh, I, when I, when I totaled my car a few years ago, uh, it had something to do with putting a Starbucks order in on the app on my phone. Uh, <laughs> so I guess I could say that coffee indirectly caused a, uh, uh, caused a, a car accident, but it was decaf. It was the end of the day. It wasn't oh, even, man. it wasn't even caffeinated coffee. Uh, funny. that was fun. Yeah. I was like tap tap on the phone and, uh, and bam, the airbags went off. I didn't even didn't even see it happen.
1: Oh um, man! Yeah, yeah
2: I was, <laughs> I, was, uh, I worked out okay, but and actually, it was funny. There was an off duty police officer in the car I hit. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> he was what with luck. his. He, well, he was with his family, and his mother. Uh, his mother kept uh, kind of kept telling him to chill, uh, which was sort of <laughs> funny. Uh, but no, I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, we all have something that we're going to, things we're going to turn to, you know, and one thing, one thing that is, and I tell, and this is something that I've learned fairly recently, the research is fairly, fairly new, maybe the last six months to a year, uh, is certainly when, when I started my recovery, which in fact, my, my anniversary was this past Saturday, uh, and I totally forgot about it until Thursday um uh and um and it was 32 so you know you do a few of them it's like eh, forget about it
1: but still um, that's still, not for you it's not yeah, for you
2: man that's a good point thank it's you for the yeah.
1: new <laughs> thank you for
2: reminding me yeah it's a good yeah. point <laughs> um you know i got told i did you know i i had already quit smoking before i went to treatment um i'd stopped everything actually before i went to treatment because there was a three-week delay between the morning I called for a bed and the the day they actually had a bed available, and I thought, okay, fine, I'm just going to stop everything. Uh, and so I show up in treatment, and they drug screen me, and they say nobody nobody who shows up here is is negative at everything. You know? <laughs> Every everybody's positive or something.
1: Sorry, that's kind of funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, but the what <laughs> really is. Uh, these days they 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 say, oh, you don't even need to be here. You've been uh, you've been absent for three weeks. And get out of here. Somebody else needs the bed. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, but I mean, certainly the the street wisdom back then and still significantly um, is you know don't quit smoking, uh, which for many of us is the hardest thing to quit. Um, and you know the 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 philosophy being. You know, smoking isn't going to kill you today. Uh, drinking can certainly kill you today. Uh, you know, any type of uh, IV drugs can kill you today. Anything that has fentanyl in it can kill you today. Um, and and smoking isn't going to kill you today. It might kill you someday. Certainly killed both my parents, but that right. never got me quitting for years after after they both passed. Uh, Uh, from it, but, uh, but the evidence now, the brain, the, the brain evidence now is that it is significantly harder to quit other drugs while we're still consuming a significant amount of nicotine that, that it activates some of the same brain receptors that we are trying to flush out from our substances of choice and Mm. it makes it harder um
1: i did not uh, know that
2: yeah it's it's fairly maybe the last six months um there's been a few studies that have come out uh so but you know what what uh what what i feel more sad about than anything else is you know we're a state hospital uh people can't smoke Uh, they could up until a few years ago but actually we moved into our new building 10 years ago. And when we did, there was a no smoking building. But the old so 10 was, years yeah, is a few years. Well, yeah, I, I thought a few, you know, that yeah, it all blends together, it man. all blurs together, right? Exactly. I feel uh, but anyway, um, um, but I mean, we have people who we've had for you know six months, a year, two years, three years, um, who haven't had the opportunity to smoke, and the first thing they do. Is stop at the gas station uh, when they're discharged from the hospital and pick up a pack of cigarettes. And it's like, hey, you know, you haven't had any for two or three years, and right. first thing they want to do. Uh, and of course, the uh, you know the evidence: people with serious mental illness smoke at at least four times the rate of the population at large. So, anyway, that's sort of a side riff, but. Um, uh yeah, so you were talking about about conferences. I've sort of turned into, uh, uh, speaking of trading addictions, uh, I've turned into uh, I've turned into something of a conference fanatic. Uh, both you know, going to things, finally feeling comfortable enough, uh, to propose presenting at them, uh, yeah. and uh, and so on, and uh, and it's been. You know, it's been an interesting—it's uh, been an interesting turn of events. Um, you know, one of the earliest things I did in recovery was force myself at just about every recovery meeting I went to to introduce myself, stand up, say hi. My name's Tom. Yada, yada, yada. And I don't really have much to say today, but I'm just practicing raising my hand and sharing. Um because i had horrible fear of public speaking and sharing in public and all that kind of stuff and it really helped because within three years four years somewhere in there uh, i was pretty comfortably giving presentations to when i was in the computer biz to you know two three four hundred people without without even thinking much about it and you know could not have done that uh could not have done that sober, certainly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, without, without having done, having done that. Uh, I was at, uh, uh, I was at McShin Foundation in Richmond a couple of weeks ago. I made some, uh, uh, made a couple of stops that I needed see people I needed to see in Richmond that I hadn't, hadn't been there for months and did actually did the every other week VRAP call from. Uh, from McChinn, who of course are great friends and supporters of ours and mm-hmm. involved in the founding of Faces and Voices and Rap and everything. Um and I was on my way out and John or stuck my I stuck my head in John's office and said, Hey, how you doing? And he said great. You know, he just retired uh full time. He and Carol both did. Uh and he said, What are you doing? I said, I'm going home. I'm tired. It was like ten of six he said no you're not he said uh, you're speaking to our community meeting <laughs> and so i said okay fine i guess i'm speaking to your community meeting you know and i walked into their the chapel they use and you know it's packed they like 120 people and i think like, okay fine no problem piece of cake just stand up talk about vrap for you know for three four or five minutes and You know, that's that might be one of the single biggest gifts of my recovery is the ability to kind of stand up in front of a crowd of people uh, and number one, (laughs) have the clarity of thinking to be able to say something. And number two, to have both the confidence and and lack of fear uh, to be able to do it. You know, now that I think about it, that really is. That really is one of the one of the single biggest gifts of of my recovery uh, is having gotten over that that, you know, that fear of of speaking in public, which is, you know, statistically, uh, you know, the number one or number two fear of almost every human on the planet is public speaking. Uh, (laughs) And uh, uh, and, you know, and I worked pretty hard at it, but it but it paid off.
1: Well, I think that tends to be the case when you face down your fear, it shrinks, right? Like, yeah, that's a really good point. If you're making that choice to, to be intentional about uh, putting some effort into overcoming something and facing it, it's going to shrink. You're going to overcome it.
2: That's a really interesting point. We had a conversation yesterday after uh, a presentation uh, at the hospital and on one of my, most cringeworthy words, which is malingering, uh, (laughs) which is what people who, uh, uh, clinical staff, uh, accuse people of, you know, using services inappropriately or using services they don't need. And uh, a couple of us were texting back and forth during it. Uh, I didn't put something in the Q and A of the presentation, although I kind of wanted to, uh, saying, please, there are better words for it. Um, but I had a great conversation with, with one of my favorite social workers that refers a lot of people to me, uh, for, uh, for peer support. Um, and I just stuck my head in walking by and just said, what, well, what did you think of the, of, uh, of it i said well you know we were we were talking about how much of it was about malingering and she said oh it drives me drives me drives me crazy whenever anybody whenever anybody says that Uh, (laughs) she's a she's a big out recovery ally um (laughs) because you know it's it's it it's people are trying to meet a need they're not meeting trying to meet their need helpfully uh you know if if your best coping skill Uh, is coming to a state psychiatric hospital. Um, You may want to look at learning some other coping skills, (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, but what, what, you know, and I said it to somebody else later and they actually kind of teared up. I said, you know, so many of the people that are accused of that, I think nobody's ever asked them, what do you need? (laughs) What do you need? Um, and then when you start to tear that apart and you find out, okay, what is it that you're afraid of? Because this is, you're doing this because you're afraid of doing something else. Uh, and so how can we help you work through your fear? Uh, you know, what support can we provide you to help you help you move through the fear when you're, you know, maladaptive behavior uh is getting you committed to a a state psychiatric hospital uh and it sure as hell isn't for the food you know Mm -hmm. um and uh and so we you know we just kind of toss that back and forth and back and forth um so you want to hear a funny hospital story yeah okay so we were playing mental health jeopardy in a group a couple of days ago and uh i don't remember the exact answer but it contained the words "these," so it was plural, and and mm-hmm. compliant, which is another one of those dreaded words that, in recovery language, we don't use. at At best, we talk about adherence and and yeah. that, and you know. Yeah, we,
1: we all have a problem with being conformist. We yeah. we're like tep- they're tep- not non-conformist.
2: But- yeah they're not compliant anyway so it used the word it was plural these and compliant and so we thought the obvious answer was medication so we hit the button and it says what is meditation as opposed to what is medication and (laughs) so and so it was three clients three staff in this group that we've done for a year we all know each other very well um and somebody said, "Do you mean they're going to start doing meditation over objection here? That we're going to get a judicial order uh, from uh, the magistrate to uh, make people meditate over objection?" So, uh, uh, so that was a little bit of uh, a little bit of hospital humor. Oh you. yeah, yeah. So, uh, you more, will meditate. <laughs> more
1: control.
2: Yeah, you know, right. on the floor, downward dog, right now.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, So how did uh, you want to share with, because I found this fascinating. I had Tom on the way out podcast and he shared about how he initially got involved with advocacy. Could you share about that with the. Sure.
2: Yeah. Um, So I. (laughs) (laughs) So I read (laughs) Ryan Hampton's first book, American fix uh i think it was 2019 uh and toward the end of it he says that the only thing that is going to solve the preventable overdose uh crisis uh and just also just rampant rampant drug use and the misery that that accompanies the people who don't overdose Uh, because there's you know for every for every person who who overdoses and dies how many dozens and dozens of miserable people are there uh we don't we don't even talk about we don't even talk about them much uh we just look at the statistics of how many people die well how many people are you know, just living just painful lives um, where drugs are a great answer. You know, if I lived that life, I would be thinking about doing them too Um, and did. (laughs) Uh, And I had a pretty good life. Um, But anyway, what he said was the only thing uh, that is going to solve this thing is a social movement equal to what we did for HIV AIDS. Uh, in particular uh, focused on what ACT UP did Um, and that that level of everybody, everybody who has anything to do with addiction, mental health, co-occurring situations, those of us who have it, those of us who love people who do, those of us who know people who do, those of us who treat people who do until every one of us comes out publicly and basically says the equivalent of me too. uh, And we realize how many tens of millions of us there are. Mm. um, Nothing's going to change. And of course, you know, we talk about uh, the S word that I have absolutely, I am no longer using the word stigma. I am now using the words prejudice and discrimination. Uh, uh, I've been doing it for a few months and I asked three groups of, of people last week at the hospital uh, who recognizes the word stigma. Everybody raises their hand in all three groups. So probably 25 or 30 people, uh, you know, who are, who are the recipients of just about the worst, discrimination or stigma if you want to call it that that of anybody around uh i said who knows what it means who can define it one mm. person raised one person raised their hand one person wow. wow now i'm sure there were a few others who were shy and didn't want to raise their hands um so now, you know people used to toss this word around nobody knows what it means right. so you know, let's 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 call it what it is uh <laughs> and some of this is stealing from bill white uh, you know, the historian of our, of our movement who a while ago was starting to call it discrimination. I said, well, let's call it both. Let's call it prejudice and, uh, uh and discrimination. Yeah. But the only, the only thing that's going to end it is every one of us who has anything to do with it, um, basically standing up and saying the equivalent of, of me too. Um, right and, uh, and taking action. And that may be nothing more than, you know, uh, signing some of the, uh, the letter campaigns that, that VRAP sends out. We send out something, um, you know, every week or two, there's some action we ask people to take. We have about 860 people on our, on our mailing list. Uh, and we send something out and about 35% of the people open the email, which is really good. And maybe ten percent, five to ten percent of them take action, which, again, is way more than uh, than you'd expect, uh, you know, just sort of statistically. Um, and uh, and we make it easy for people. You know, we've we've written a really nice, uh, nice, compelling uh, uh, letter to, for them to send to whoever the target of the campaign is. They can edit if they want, edit, edit it if they want, but they don't have anything. They can just sign it and send it off. Um, You know, our biggest campaign, I think we had something like 2,300 letters to, uh, to the general assembly for a bill that was, uh, that was pending. Now that's one letter, you know, for each of the representatives on the uh, and so on. So it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, it's more than it. It's, 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 It sounds like more than it was, but still, it's a lot of letters to, you know. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, they're all electronic because, you know, nothing shows up, nothing. But what? You know, those gone are the days where, you know, thud, you guess that big uh, pile of letters all tied up that. you know, impress people, but uh, that but, would you know, be they, crazy. They like to go old numbers.
1: school. With, I can't yeah. imagine what it was like doing this before the internet. You know, like yeah, because in the seventies, they the recovery movement really was getting some real serious traction, right? And I'm sure that was insane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And what? Yeah, you guys, what Tom's talking about uh, as far as uh, recovery advocacy project. You can go to recoveryvoices.com and you can sign up for the email notifications. You can learn more about Recovery Advocacy Project. Their goal is to have a chapter in all 50 states. And I don't think they've quite reached that goal yet, but it will come.
2: 38, I think, 37, 38 out of, well, 50 plus DC. We got a great chapter in DC.
1: So it will... uh, that website will link you up to your local, you know, state. And if there's not an existing one, guess what? You can still sign up and they'll reach out and they'll help you get it rolling. You you can start one. Exactly. You can do it. And I think to your point, we, you know, if we don't stand up, you know, then somebody else might not do it. You know, and yeah. that's the thing that, you know, he, you talked about how it takes all of us, right? Like we all have to be willing to speak up and and say and, me too, you know.
2: And and while you're posting links, the other one, uh for those of you who are interested in Mobilized Recovery, which is our annual convening of advocates, there's going to be 400 of us in D.C. September, I want to say 16th, 17th and 18th, but it could be 17th 18th and the 19th recovery.org. we're still accepting applications
1: yep um, until june 9th i think yeah 6th, so 9th, something like that mobile recovery.org um, right there for you folks i'll be there in dc bro you're gonna be there i will too oh absolutely yeah.
2: we're good we, we're actually uh, i'm coming in when are you coming in saturday
1: yeah or sunday
2: saturday. Okay. or no
1: sunday morning i'm sorry yeah sunday, sunday morning Okay. So I fly out Sunday morning. Uh, stuff starts in the afternoon. And then there's like the dinner that night, the welcome dinner. Yep. And then the actual programming for the conference starts on Monday. On I Monday. took. I took the day, all the days off. I got. I didn't. I couldn't afford the bougie hotel they wanted you to. I wish I could have. Well, I mean, no, that's not necessarily true. I could have, but why? I'm like, I don't want to spend three hundred dollars a night. but that's where they had the group rate. But I was yeah. able to find a place that was much more nominal. It was like one hundred and thirty five a night. And How far I- away is it? it's just a few like eight blocks or six blocks it ain't far and then i i'm trying to actually uh get my reservation changed to a two-bedroom and i'm sure that's it's being a pain in the butt because priceline's customer service system is stupid
2: they have one
1: dude i know it's a text line (laughs) and it's retarded it doesn't work good and then You get them on the phone, but it's hard as hell to get them on the phone. And then when I did get them on the phone, they said they were just going to get confirmation about whether or not there's availability from the hotel. And then I waited until the next day and I called the hotel and I, it was the same guy that I talked to that told me, you have to talk to Priceline.
2: Priceline, yeah.
1: And I said, okay, well, I did talk to Priceline and I think they emailed you to see if there's availability for a two bedroom. And then he, He looks and says, no, I haven't got an email from him yet. Great. And he's like, but we do have, he says we do have availability though. So now I'm, now I'm trying to get somebody over there at Priceline to email them so we can get this shit done. Let's go. I'm,
2: I'm, I'm sharing a room with, uh, with somebody, um, um, as much, it was originally because, uh, I was worried about paying for, uh, you know, paying for the whole thing myself. Uh, and then I got a little extra to to help out, uh, but the person I'm sharing with needed needed somebody to stay with them, so I'm doing it. I'm doing it both for for them and for me, right? Um, but and I'm now gonna... now
1: Jr. wanted to get a room, that's why I'm trying to change oh, the okay. type of room. And I was like, hell yeah, dude, we can room yeah, up, yeah, and... absolutely.
2: Um, I'm uh, and you know I'm lucky because uh, I mean I'm kind of disappointed that because you know again I was I was looking forward to the I did. I learned as much around the pool uh, at the Westgate two years ago, a year and a half ago, as I did uh, as I did in some of the in some of the uh, in some of the panels and stuff. Uh, oh, I but uh, uh, I mean, for me, it's a two hour and twenty minute, two hour and thirty minute drive. Um, oh, okay. And so, um, and I am probably even going to stash my car at a uh, at one of my friend's parents' houses in McLean because parking. It's either forty nine or fifty nine a day parking at the hotel. Um, At the
1: why would it be free with the
2: room? (laughs) Because they make a ton of money on uh, on parking. Even this, even this little conference that we're going to in Richmond, uh, Monday Tuesday parking's thirty six bucks a day, and that's in Richmond. Um, And they because they could get it, you know.
1: Um, Just park like three blocks away, Tom, and you can walk there.
2: Yeah, but you know, still the the garages in D.C. You know, you're still gonna pay thirty bucks a day, Um, uh, and you can't park on the street. Uh, So I'm gonna leave my car out there, and I'll take an Uber, or or if I want to save money, I'll take the Metro in, or I'll just take an Uber in and leave leave my car there for four days, and then go pick it up on the way home.
1: Well, thanks for the tip because I was thinking about getting a Turo. You know, so I could just have wheels and go oh, check out. Don't get
2: her. Oh, not in DC. Do not get to rent a rental car. Uh, Ubers or Ubers are really cheap. Taxis in DC are notoriously cheap, um, okay. because uh, because Congress says so. Uh, quite oh, frankly, yeah. <laughs> uh, no taxis. Public and and the Metro is amazing um, and goes everywhere. Uh, so no, a car in DC is just horrible, frighteningly expensive. Well, uh, thank
1: you for the other tip.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely. Because uh, that was my
1: thinking. I'm like, dude, I want to be able to drive myself around and shit, but I, I'm not trying to pay that much to park every time I want to park. And what? Like, if I go look at a monument, right? Like, what am yeah. I going to do? I'm going to stand there and look at the thing for five five minutes. I'm not, I don't need to pay a whole ton of money to do that.
2: The other thing that, that you know, and the other thing around uh, that. They have all over the place are these hop on hop off, hop off buses that go between the monuments where you pay a flat fee and then you know you get on it you go one stop you get off you go to the monument you hop on go to the next one and so on. Um, oh, cool! Um, so I like you it. You can save a boatload of money doing that too for everybody wow. out there dc uh, uh so you you got uh, you got recovery tips and you got travel tips anytime you yeah. come to dc and uh. Uh, so i'm really looking forward to seeing everybody you know the the bus tour last year was great uh, and i got to uh you know i got to uh, i got to go to uh richmond where we actually uh, uh heather ogden and i did a panel on co-occurring issues which is our you know main thing um and then she and i drove up to her place in jersey At you know got there at like one in the morning and then went to uh, that the next afternoon which is saturday went and met ross picardo who's in uh tipping the pain scale uh and distributed safety kits uh in kensington the kensington neighborhood in uh, uh in uh, in philadelphia and then we went to um well first we went to unity taco this this shirt by the way that says i love people who do drugs and i carry narcan comes from unity recovery in in philly and they mm-hmm. now have a taqueria a coffee shop and a phenomenal alcohol free uh vegan restaurant uh and we went to the coffee place wasn't open but we had tacos and then we went to the to the bar slash restaurant um and then did two things um in jersey the next day is that right yeah and then uh and then went to dc and then went to new york for uh for the clinton global initiative that uh that a bunch of us went to that was really really pretty phenomenal
1: yeah Uh, that looked awesome actually i was like you said i I was I was a little jealous. I was like, I wish I was there. That looks amazing. Like so many of my friends are there.
2: Yeah, I wish I, I wish I had it here. It's, it's downstairs, all over the uh, all the lounges and stuff at the it was at the New York Hilton. Uh, New York Hilton. Um, all the they had pillowcases that said Clinton Global Initiative, uh, or pillows, you know, that said Clinton Global Initiative. And on the last day, while nobody was looking, I took the pillow out of the pillowcase and I and I swiped the pillowcase. So I have a pillow on my couch that says Clinton Global Initiative uh, (laughs) on it. And uh, and but uh, but uh, yeah, it was so funny. The funniest thing I wish I could show pictures, you know, uh, there's a picture of of Roz and me with our, you know, our arms around each other's shoulders in T-shirts and jeans um, in Kensington in Philadelphia uh on uh on sunday and then monday morning uh she is doing uh narcan training as part of uh the first substance use group at uh the conference and she's in a dress i'm in a suit and so there's a picture of us with our arms around each other so there's like a before and after you know (laughs) You you can take us to the hood And you could take us to the Hilton, and uh, you know we could pull off both. Nice, Uh, which was was, it was fun. Uh, Hell
1: yeah, dude! And that's what—that's a funny thing too, because I know when I when I was in my active addiction or whatever, I you know I would have never thought that I belonged in a place like that. But you really do, and I think that our lived experience proves that. You know, and if anything, I mean, almost. It's almost like the more messed up you are out there, the more valuable you are in here. Right. Absolutely.
2: I think that's, that's such a valid, that's such a valid and, and valuable point that, you know, um, you know, that it is our life experience. I'm trying to get rid of the phrase lived experience because I'm convinced it's redundant and I'm using life experience is my, my new choice for that. Um, but uh, we use our life experience, um, but then also all the stuff we learn, and, mm-hmm. and it's both of those things. It's our education and, uh, and our life experience, uh, you know, to, uh, to help people, uh, which, you know, that's, that's the one thing that, uh, you know, the single biggest, I think, principle, takeaway, whatever, from 12-step programs for me is, you know, I, I keep what I've got by giving it away to other people. Uh, and, uh, and then the other stuff, there's all kinds of ways to, you know, clean up my side of the street. Uh, there's, you know, there's the 12 step way and there's other, there's a number of others too. I mean, we all have to clean up our side of the street, but there's just many different ways of doing it. Um, but, but when you get to the end of it, the way you keep it, the way I keep it, the way we keep it, uh, is to give it away to other people. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and that's, I mean, among other things, that's why I do, that's why I do the work I do. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good peer specialist. I'm a really shitty sponsor. Uh, <laughs> I, I just can't focus on that, you know, right. that narrow amount of stuff. I just can't do it.
1: Uh, well I, you yeah. don't have to though either you know like when i first got sober it was 12 step but throughout my recovery i've continued to learn things and and continued to educate myself about different types of recovery and all of these different things you know to peer support you know motivational interviewing all of this stuff so i mean it's like a mixed bag now you know it's You know, there's pieces of that original stuff in there, but it's all, it's a, it's a mesh, you know, of a bunch of shit that I learned.
2: And it changes, it changes, you know, I don't do, I don't do the same stuff today. I did two years ago Mm -hmm. and I didn't, I don't, I didn't do the stuff two years ago that I did, that I did four or five years ago. Um, And, uh, and so on. So, Mm -hmm.
1: so is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience, uh, before we close it?
2: Before we, let me think, um, what, whatever you were doing, uh, you know, you out there in, in YouTube and, uh, in Facebook live land, um, you know, do what you love, find your passion, do what you love, um, and uh and that's what i mean for me that's what recovery is all about it's about it's about love it's about connection it's about passion uh it is um you know the my my quickest definition of of recovery is being the best tom i can be today Mm -hmm. um and i heard this great i'll close with this um people at the high I, i don't know where i heard this it's not original i heard it in a couple of weeks ago. And I've been passing it around and it's sort of gathering like wildfire at the hospital. And it says, if on any given day, you can only give 40% and you give 40%, you gave 100%. Because
1: mm. that's what you could get, Right? That's
2: all you could give that day.
1: And it's good enough.
2: It's, yeah. It is. It is. It's I'll more than good enough. It's a hundred. You gave it's perfect. You gave a hundred percent.
1: Amen. <laughs> I always <laughs> tell people like you're not required to be okay to talk to me, man. Right. You know, and and then sometimes I have to also tell people the opposite, which is like, you know, you could call me when you're not like fucking in ten foot flames. Right. You know. Yeah some people I just hear from when they're, uh, you know, shit's falling apart. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I appreciate that they think of me or, you know, they find my advice and my support that valuable. <laughs> but shit. There was
2: some interview.
1: doing good.
2: <laughs> there was some video interview decades ago with somebody who was, you know, a sponsor, uh, who, you know, sort of gave this plea of, you know, yeah, you could call me once in a while when everything's okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Dude, it's true. It's like, uh, come on, man. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> just call me up and say, you know, everything's okay.
1: Right. Uh, even, uh, you
2: know, even just, you know, text me, uh, you know, uh, that's the other thing I we were, we were talking about, um, you know, how, when, uh, you know when i started this uh you know the only technology uh were phones and uh and and answering machines i mean it wasn't even really voicemail barely you know work had voicemail home didn't have voicemail yet work had voicemail uh and then uh and then i guess i actually did have my i had my car phone my car phone when when I got sober, I already had that, but I did not have a, a portable phone yet. That was a year or two, a year or two later. Um, I mean, it wasn't quite, you know, it, it was past dial telephones, you know, it was. Uh, <laughs> um, crazy, it's uh, there's I don't know if you've seen it. There's that wonderful cartoon where two cell phones are talking to each other and they're pointing to an old real telephone and it said, look, once upon a time we had tails.
1: <laughs> the cord. I remember <laughs> we had like the fucking 20 foot one in my mom's house. Yeah. So I could walk it down the hall into my room, shut the door. Yep. <laughs> you know, Slide the cord under the door.
2: And you, oh, you used to Lord. have to pay. I mean, way back, you used to have to pay the phone company every month for an extra long cord. When I was when I was like when I had my like my first phone in like in in college in my first apartment, if you wanted a long cord, it cost extra, and you paid for it every month. And of course, <laughs> you can imagine how much the phone company. You know, no wonder everybody. I mean, no wonder everybody hated the phone company.
1: Wow, uh, <laughs> dude! For all you youngsters out there yes. listening to this shit, so, yeah, these,
2: these old uh, old farts. Actually, super you know, it's, weird. It's interesting. One of the things I did, I guess it was before last time we we met, but um, I'm also now a certified older adult peer specialist and uh, and trainer, which is an interesting program for peer support for people 50 and older. Um, And it comes out of University of Pennsylvania. Um, And there's some really interesting sort of different stuff uh, about that. But, uh, um, But for those of us who are... Well over fifty. <laughs> uh uh you know it's uh it's what is it? It's nine oh nine uh here. It's a here. little different. It's um, a little different. You right? know, it's it's nine minutes. No, it's not nine minutes past my bedtime. It's, it feels like it should be
1: nine minutes past my bedtime. Dude, it's so far, here it's 8.09. My bedtime's in twenty minutes, bro. Yeah. Is it <laughs> but 10? I get up at like four, three thirty sometimes. But well, yeah, I
2: put, I put dinner in the oven before we started. So, uh, this is I'm an important a, thing in my yeah.
1: life, and, 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 and it means a lot to me to be able to do it. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I do apologize on behalf of LC and Ashley and JR that they weren't able to make it tonight. Brett, you were like, I'm here. You were Hi, silent. Yeah, here. it's
2: like we emailed I a few
1: times. But, uh, you just got home.
0: I just got oh, home. I'm wow. sitting here next to the baby. What a
1: pain. Wow.
2: Can well, you show us or not? Or uh he could. Sure. Yeah. Do you say hi?
1: It's black screen though. Is black it not showing? It's no. a black yeah. screen.
0: Oh, I see it on my end. You're
2: um um, um...
1: weird. Nope. Nothing. Nothing, bro. No. Well, we know your baby's cute. <laughs> well, that was an epic yeah. fail.
2: I didn't know. You. There, there it yes, is. There, oh. just for just for a second. Oh. There you go. Oh, oh. Can
0: you say hi?
2: Can you say hi?
0: Oh no! Don't in the, she hit in the broadcast. Don't end the broadcast.
1: She hit it. That's funny. Yeah, maybe, maybe don't show us the baby then. <laughs> <laughs> Let me end it the right way, or I mean, I'll try. I'm no Brett Morris, but uh, we'll we'll start closing out here. But thanks you again, Tom, for joining us tonight. Oh, thanks uh, for yes, thank you, mom For thanks those for of you me, out I've there, been... I, if uh, you uh, are wanna...
2: doing this, that
1: absolutely right. If you guys want to learn more about the Recovery Advocacy Project, go to recoveryvoices.com right there on your screen, and that will uh, get you all the information you need and you even uh, can sign up and maybe start your own chapter in your own state. And then mobilizerecovery.org if you're interested in that Mobilize Recovery uh, conference that's going on. Uh, also, he talked about Faces and Voices of Recovery, so I'll throw that up there. Faces and Voices of Recovery yep. is a great organization. It uh, is. And, you know, that's Bill White you were talking about. Uh, they, they're really great. So all good things to look into if you're interested in that. Um, Let's see here. I'm going to go check. like that. I'm going to turn on this so we're going to start the outro it's going to be cool thank <laughs> you uh, so much yeah thanks for being here brother and you guys out there let's see thanks for watching you can go to recovery slash revolution org slash live Click find us on that website or you can go to YouTube look up Recovery Revolution Live or we're on Facebook Recovery Revolution Live and there's also the Recovery Revolution uh, group which is an online recovery community which is really awesome Uh, Brett you got a podcast I
0: do have a podcast and I'm currently taking a little bit of a break from it but I'm going to have some new episodes coming up Oh, probably in the next week or two. But I do what has been coined by Charlie from the Way Out Podcast as morsels of recovery. I do about thirty-minute episodes once a week with different guests. Uh, We talk about recovery, mental health, all kinds of different stuff. So check that out wherever you find podcasts.
1: Yeah, and I also do another show called the Way Out Podcast with the host, the other host, Charles LaVore. We do switch hit interviews so we're unique in that way. Um, and you will very rarely hear us on the same shows, but we do them together on occasion. Uh, we just share powerful recovery stories and unpack recovery power topics to help you find or sustain or jumpstart your own recovery. And then LSD has the recovery slow food podcast and he's also on all the main platforms and then if you have a podcast and you want to join a network of people this does not there's no charge to do this Look up recovery revolution podcast network or contact myself or brett morris we will definitely get you hooked up get you on there's a website yeah we feature all sorts of uh different podcasts on there i'm not sure what are we up to now brett
0: oh man i can't even remember it's
1: 30 um, something
0: yeah 30 some odd shows
1: yeah so you'll be able to access the, their content and uh yeah, it's just like a hub for good recovery content for you out there who need good recovery content.
2: I may have to look at that because two people are here. My supervisor at work, in particular, tells me that I have to. I have to do a podcast. Like,
1: well, there you go. We it's can easier help to be a guest than a host. Yeah. It's true because it's a commitment, right? That's true. But anyway, uh, Brett always says. Remember progress, progress not, not perfection. perfection. You guys take care and have a good one. Peace.
2: Recovery
0: Revolution Podcast Network